day to you. Good day. Hello, everybody. Hola, <laughs> Pete. official. I know. It was. It was. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. Feels weird <laughs> recording on a day that's not the normal recording day. It it does. It really does. I'm all discombobulated. That's Same. The that's the word I wanted to use. Yeah. Definitely. I like using discombobulated. that word. Discombobulated. It's not often you get to use a word like that, but when you do, mm-hmm. you've got to make the most of it. Discombobulation. I'm going to add that to the bank of favourite words, mm. along with con- along with cantankerous. That's a favourite word of mine. That is, that's a very good word. Ooh. And oh. onomatopoeia. Oh, when have I used that? Since 1995. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Imagine we had our good. own dictionary. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We wouldn't get very far in life. Just lots of string of a string of long words that you would never really use. No, Just, but at least they'll all have. Um, oh God, what's the word? Um, what what are words broken up into? Uh, syllables. Syllables. I couldn't. Oh even think. right, yeah. yeah. They would have syllables. a minimum of onomatopoeia. <laughs> oh, that's got six. Yeah. Uh, cantankerous. Oh no, that's got four. Okay, oh, that's got a short one. <laughs> But it's either six syllables um, or like ten letters in the, uh, in the word. Minimum. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, mm. we got to do this. my love it has been a short week mm. so far but oh mm. so remember i was complaining uh i think it was a couple of episodes ago about my nail my cracked nail yes i do remember yes it's so, one of the outtakes that i used on social media <gasps> did mm. eddie give you did eddie treat you to a manicure i don't need no man no <laughs> i did this on myself <laughs> So I bought some gel nail polish and oh. I and I did I did my nails. So I'm thinking You've got the that, whole machine, the whole UV machine thing. Yeah, so I've had the machine for years, but I've just ran out of nail polish, so I haven't used it. And I I thought, nah, nah, mm. not gonna have this. Let me get some nail polish and let me get to it. But as you can see, people who are listening uh, on whatever podcast streaming service you're listening on, you can't see this, but I did it last night and it's already chipped. Mm. Why is it chipped? Did you Mm. prep your nail properly, see? A prep? What do you mean? You don't just paint it on. You have to, like, file it down so it's got something to to adhere to. Adhere? Yes. So, like, if I was working in a nail (sighs) shop, I might do that. But in the comfort and privacy of my own home, obviously, I didn't do that. So, right, I think it's the prep that's failed me. Yeah, you can't just paint it on your nail bed is smooth it has to be um it's like painting anything you have to sand it down a little bit for it to stick onto so that's why don't be blaming don't be blaming the nail polish here you're about to get receipts get the name get the brand on twitter and all that you didn't even follow the instructions oh Mm. okay it's it's funny though i've got the machine because i bought Mm. it in lockdown because i was like i can't get to the nail salon i'm gonna buy it and got Mm -hmm. prepared Mm -hmm. it's been sitting in the bag for about (laughs) a year 
And then the other day I was like, you know what? I'm actually not going to be lazy because I threw out all my nail polishes and I had to do my toenails. You threw them out? Well, yeah, because they were like older than my kids. Older than my kids, literally. Literally. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I bought jar nail polish and they're also sitting in the bag. Oh man, why do we do this? Uh, because I don't want to do these things myself. It's mm. long, isn't it? Mm. It's long. Yeah. Okay, so maybe what we do is you mm. can do my nails for me since you've got the kit and you've got the skills and I will mm. just like not try this again for a while. You said I had the skills. I I never I was never a nail <laughs> technician. I could do my own. <laughs> I'm just trying to manifest what I need in my life. And, um, <laughs> you're the closest person to me. So, yeah. yeah. I was thinking right that. It's like, we need a hairstylist. We need a lash technician. <laughs> yes. A nail technician. Mm-hmm. A masseuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just an entourage. When do we yeah, get an entourage? Am- oh, when we've made it. That's going to be like season five. <laughs> And then we end it like insecure, but don't talk about it because I haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched season five yet. Oh, okay. I'm oh, saving it. How have you not? I I don't know. I don't know. Anytime I see any mention of insecure, I just throw my phone. I don't. I don't yeah, want to know anything to. about it. I'm just saving myself because it's too much to. to even bear to think that it's not coming back. To be fair, though, I did save it for a while because it's like. If you know it's the last season, you know it's not coming back, you kind of don't want to rush into it because you're never going to see it again. Exactly, exactly. You'll never get to see those characters again. I know. Devastation. I finished um, quite late again because, yeah, it just took a long time. Um, Drag Race UK um, versus The World. Finished that finally. Um, I was not happy. I know you don't watch it and I'm not going to say it. (laughs) I no, I don't watch it. I just have to express the fact that I was very not, very not happy about who won. <laughs> very not happy. Oh, very is it controversial? Happy. A controversial decision? Well, you don't think they deserve to win. The, well, they ha- basically they get to vote people off, but this person did it strategically. So imagine Big Brother, where it's just like <gasps> got rid of the person who should have won now it's boring and now we have to sit here boringness because you get you got rid of the best people because you knew they were going to win but then with drag drag race it's like yeah it was tactical voting and it's to do with like talent Mm. as well so that's why i'm like it's so unfair because the talented ones yeah gone and Mm. they should have won because of their talent but then that's not life is Mm. it no, it's not. It really isn't. It really isn't. There's lots of um, unfairness, inequity, bias that we have to face, which um, we may be talking about a bit later on in this episode. Uh, yes, um, yes. Who have we got today? See? We have Evadne Davis. Now, Evadne is a friend of ours, but we're not going to let that cloud our judgment. She no. is objectively a fantastic black British contemporary portrait artist who creates originals and geek clay. And she can tell us is that all how about you say what it? geek clay is. Geek clay. Yeah, geek clay. I, I think so. Yeah, geek clay. Um, 
Prince. Uh, she's London-based. She's been championing the Caribbean diaspora, and she's recently returned to her art practice for the first time in over 15 years. Wow. Um, after enjoying a lengthy period as a fashion stylist, which she still is. So um, we are going to be finding out a bit more about her, what she's done since the pandemic hit to rekindle her love, her art, pick up her paintbrush again. And we're welcoming her onto today's episode. So Fantastic. where's she at? Where's she at? Imagine her opening a massive imaginary <gasps> door, which is beautiful, just like she is. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> this is amazing. It's like glasses crew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're so right. Wow. And we're all black frames. Yeah. I've recently bought myself two new big pairs of oversized glasses, Ooh. but they ain't black. Oh. From, from where? Do spill. From Zilu. So one is this pair, but in clear plastic. Oh. And then the other one, which I have here, because it's trying it on. You can tell me what okay. you think. You ready? Mm, oh, yes. Oh. oh, yes. Do you know what? That's very like um, 1980s New York. Yeah, they bring me yes. joy. Deirdre. I grew up on yes. Coronation Street. She's got a good flex, a good glasses flex. She oh, did. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love it. I and Z-Lol, I, so this is not what we are going to be talking about, but just because I'm interested. No, I know. But it is fashion. It is fashion. It is. Um, but how long did you wait to get your glasses? a long time this time was quicker but the first time I bought from them I was like will I get them this year <laughs> and then I was reading lots of reviews and the more I, I was like I wish I read more reviews before I bought from these people but I think because they did the prescription for me so this time I've bought the frames mm. and I will get them done oh, myself how do you do that where do you send them to get the the lenses there's just loads of like reglazing online oh. Buy the frame you like. If you find a frame you love, like these. Oh. Sunglasses. Mm. Anything. Oh, yeah. So a lot of those, um, like, vintage shops, They like a lot of them in, like, um, Covent Garden and stuff, they have really nice frames. And I'm like, yeah. but I love them, but they're not mm. my prescription. But that makes mm. sense. Yeah. Mm. That makes sense. Mm-mm. All right, we're going to investigate this afterwards. Watch me and see can come with some new spectacles. <laughs> we must, we must. But yes. um, we are here today to talk to you, you, about you and all the amazing stuff that you do with Adney Davies. So do you want to just give a quick intro? Tell us a little bit about you. Who are you? Who am I? I? Yeah, I was about to start going into Bean Man songs. (laughs) I don't know why. I feel like this year is so off-key that you have to just slot in joy when you can. (laughs) But who am I? I'm not the gal then, sugar. (laughs) 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 Maybe I am. Um, I am a mum. I'm a wife of um, a wonderful family. I live in South London. Um, I am a fashion stylist and I'm also an artist. I'm just a lover of life, really. Yeah, I love that. And this um, beautiful yellow that you're wearing, I, I think yellow crew, yes. Uh, oh, no, this is orange. Oh, we're not doing that again, are we? Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what can you see? Oh, God. 
I mean, I can see orange. I'm very particular about my colours as well. Can you imagine? Art and fashion. I will fight you down to like sartreuse. Right, yeah. I'm going to stop talking now. But, um, yeah. Okay, so um, thank you for coming on. Um, I'm so excited about this episode. Yeah, basically because it's everything I love I love the creatives it's nice to get a female creative on and just to um get her to brag about what she does which is gonna be you <laughs> obviously we're gonna touch upon both careers because as C has said you have transitioned into um the land of art but I'm so happy that you are um styling still because I absolutely love watching your stories watching your IG posts and um not just kids you still do um adults right yeah, I do a bit of adults. I've been doing a bit more. I did, um, I think it will go down as one of my favourite shoots. I did um, the Breast Cancer Awareness Month campaign for Primark last year. And rather than like celebrities doing like thumbs up, they it was real women who, some of them are still having treatment. Some uh, have finished their treatment. Some still had, some had mastectomies. Some didn't and yeah it was beautiful it's very I felt like I was privileged to be with them and have that day that is amazing because I'm sure I can remember in terms of you know when people discuss what they see online and it's I think there's kind of that that passion for realism some some authentic kind of things and especially with those campaigns a lot of the time like you were saying it was celebrities with the thumbs up and it's just like well okay, great, you've got a great following or whatever, you're famous. Yeah. But what does this mean to you? What, how, why are you connected with this campaign? So it definitely makes sense to see some real people. Even with Primark and the art director, it was a it was an all-female set mm. and everyone who worked on it had a direct um, connection with someone who had suffered with mm. cancer. So there was a lot of respect and sensitivity there mm-hmm. um and I really appreciated that from them like it was they yeah they took it seriously mm, fantastic fantastic so what do you actually enjoy obviously you're a creative and we can see that you're very well dressed with the glasses and everything but what do you enjoy about fashion styling um I think because fashion is more than things that you put on it is your identity and it's not just like in the olden days, it would have been like, okay, here's a marker. I am a baker. I am poor. I am nobility. Now it's saying who you're, it's saying your culture, how you feel for the day and all of those things. And even with children who are, who are majority, like a staff of the majority, it brings about a story. Um, and so I really love being able to tell a story with the images that I create, working from a project, from a mood board, and what are we going to do here, to something very tangible at the end. Like you never feel like there's a loose end because you style the shoot, you've got the images, and you've put them out into the world forever. So that's amazing. And I love that I get to work with different teams, different children. I get to know their families. Some of these models that I work with feel like my nieces and nephews. Do you know what I mean? If I see them outside of a shoot, they'll have big hugs, their families, like it's, it, and especially when I do like a baby shoot, it feels like such a privilege to be with them. Um, and, and it also means that every week is completely different. 
like no week is the same no shoot is the same so I get quite bored quickly which is why I don't know how I lasted as long as I did in my like corporate career because I like the fact that it's always changing I, I it's it's great and I can be creative I'm like the first person in my family that has been able to not only be creative because we're all creative but actually earn a living from it so it feels like activism as well so I like so that. how did you become a stylist then because you say so you're saying you're the first person in your family to, to earn a living from this creative outlet what's the process that you go on to become a stylist like is it just that you love clothes yeah. you know how to style them and then you can be a stylist or is there a bigger process to yeah. it I think my mum was very intentional with me that I just needed to pursue whatever made me happy so she you know even now that I'm doing the art she's doubly happy because she's seen me from toddler age drawing I would she'd be trying to find me for nursery and I'd be under the table drawing hmm. um and as things you know as I started watching the clothes show big up to 80s tv oh, yes. I used to send in designs fashion Did designs you? and yeah yeah I had a whole portfolio of designs at, like in primary school and um in secondary school the two things happened a friend of my mum's gave me an old Vogue copy issue of Vogue and it was an issue and it had Versace because Versace was new and and I just read it and I was like oh <gasps> And then I showed my designs to my um, form tutor and I was like, sir, I really like design. And he, like the following week, he gave me a copy of The Face Aww. magazine and was like, I think you should read this. And yeah, I knew I wanted to do design, went to Central St. Martins. That was my goal. Got there within the first week. Oh my gosh, I was like, what am I doing here? These people are awful. And it was four years of microaggressions and pigeonholing until I left with my confidence completely shattered. I didn't think I could create. I thought I was terrible at creating. And so, yeah, so I fell into fashion PR. I was like, oh, well, I'll do something corporate. I'm, you know, I can do this. And it was okay, but... After a few years of doing that, I worked for great brands. I would be booking creatives for shoots for my Mm -hmm. clients and I'd be standing and watching them going, I could do that. I want to do that. So um, I did a short course on styling just for fun at Central St. Martins. And the tutor (laughs) was someone, yeah, it was just like an evening course. The tutor was someone I'd gone to uni with. And they're like, why are you here? And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can create. And they were like, Vadney, what are you doing here? Just get on with it. So, <laughs> so I just started like styling for fun on the weekends, just doing like test shoots, finding up and coming photographers and still hating my career. And then um, my husband got an opportunity with work to move to Canada. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to change my career. I'm going to do it. So by the time I got to Canada, I had a portfolio of shoots showing I was a stylist they love English people out there so just needed to like meet a few people and I was signed by an agent do music videos and tv commercials and it was really great and then the transition into kids styling happened when I became a mum and I realized that kids clothes are like more than a gap logo (laughs) because that's all I really knew that's all you kind of saw and I was like oh wow this this is amazing scene and I really made it my niche um and that's that's it so I think 
for anyone who, and I get lots of people who are like, oh, I'd really love to do what you do. You have to just kind of get on with it. Like, I can't make you a stylist. You have to go out there, style some shoots, make mistakes, find your own kind of story and and way of doing things and then you just keep networking you just keep doing it and the more you do it the more opportunities that come until one day you're like the the person that people are talking about you've got your regular clients or your agent it takes it takes some time and also like I, I I do lecture sometimes in styling and I say to the students like I think particularly with Instagram people can be quite lazy or they think that styling is just putting together a nice outfit and doing an outfit of the day or a reel or whatever that's not styling styling is finding influence in an old movie or looking at people on the tube and how they put things together going to exhibitions and understanding what you know what is geisha style what what were they wearing in the 17th century in you know the Netherlands and really understanding all of these references what colors work the fit of clothes and that's what makes you a stylist yeah. I think yeah. it's very different there are lots of stylists but styling is a lot more than putting together a nice outfit absolutely that is hard but that's yeah there's more to it than that I did you know you're you're obviously you're right um because this is what you do but just thinking about the the Instagram stylists, it's very much. <laughs> so what I see is lots of trends that are very nicely put together, yeah. but they are trends essentially. But I yeah. think that when you can tell that somebody kind of knows a bit more about what they're talking about, you see people that buck the trend and they put something together yeah. and it looks absolutely incredible but there's there's no one else out there that looks like them and it's uh, so it there's there's that difference yes i can style a window in h&m like i could probably do that but could i style myself like pulling together something from a vintage shop plus something from the high street plus plus something high end and create a whole different look and i think that's what where you stand out from the crowd I've always sought people that are just not different, but themselves, you know, for something to become, to go in, I was going to say top shop, <laughs> you can't say top shop window, but like a next window, for example, or any high street window that will have like taken, you know, two or three years of being a trend. Mm. I'm much more in, and thankfully I think the pandemic has done something really great for fashion because there was a while where it really was about the commercial side so even from the designers it was very much like they're all following mm-hmm. trends and now we're just starting to see some new energy fresh ideas and and those are the people that are leading is so interesting mm-hmm. but I'm not interested in the leopard print dress that everyone's wearing at the same time like I recently put on a, a fur like a faux fur leopard print coat that I've had for like years and I suppose it's probably out of trend but I don't care because how I wear it is how Mm. I wear it. Do you Mm. know what I mean? That's the problem with consumption. And while we've got huge piles in or in these third world developing countries around the world, because people are worrying about trends rather than what they truly enjoy. Which kind of leads into um, dopamine dressing. It's like, I guess that's the trend, quote unquote, this year, dopamine Mm. dressing, but it's kind of, just allowing people to be themselves and dressing in a way that makes them happy, which is what I love because that's kind of how I've done. I have like a mixture of fast fashion 
sorry and um high-end i'm not against boutique. fast fashion but it, it depends on how you wear it i'm not the type of person that would be like right this t-shirt everyone's wearing it so let me wear it and then next week they've yeah. made that t-shirt and got another t-shirt it's just like make it work make it work for you do you enjoy yeah. it do you love it in terms of dopamine dressing it's very focused on being happy happiness but also i was thinking about the emotions behind colorways and stuff like that um i look at my wardrobe and to everyone else it's very obvious that i wear pink and i'm like i don't have much pink clothing turns out i do <laughs> <laughs> but then i i like putting loads of colors together or I like color blocking so i was just wondering if when you are styling do you ever take in take into consideration the mood like you were talking about mood boards it's more than just the emotion of the story yeah in terms of colors do you think of them the the moods specifically about the colors does that make sense a, a bit I think um so I'm known so I, my specialism as I said is kids mm-hmm. fashion and I'm people always say oh you love color and I think the reason why I love bright colors for kids fashion is because they're kids mm-hmm. uh, my inspiration are children children are joy they are curious they are inventive and so there's been a real trend over the last few years for like muted colors and whites and neutrals and for me that feels very privileged it speaks to a very narrow upper middle class section of the western world where the the child isn't you you, I can't imagine any child that wakes up and goes I really want to wear beige women (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm feeling this breezy. That's their parents projecting stuff on mm-hmm. them. No child's like, uh, that's the ch- that's a child that's a parent projecting an image of them that's probably good for Instagram mm-hmm. as well. Sorry, I'm being a bit like savage here, but it's it's true, you know. I I, I believe in the colour yeah, so definitely the the pastels, the the difference between the softer colours, the difference between the punchier. I love doing colour blocking like you, Sarita, with my styling. I think it's really impactive. But also what I love with this whole dopamine thing is that it's not just all colours. I, I do love colour, but I'm seeing a lot of like black, like head to toe black. Mm, it's classy. And I do like a head to toe black. Are, yeah. It feels cool. So that that's it. Like there's a time when you want to feel joy and colourful. There's a time you want to feel like tough and cool. So for me, while I'm known for my colour, there are also days where I just want to wear mm. black head to toe. Mm. And I feel amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It makes you feel really tough and confident. Mm. Um, and then there are other days where I do want to feel more vibesy and it is like more neutral and white so I think I do bring that in with my styling but because I'm working with children who for me are just so pure that joy is pure it is all on color Mm. and I encourage it because yeah I do get annoyed (laughs) when I go into because I've I've got boys um I get very jealous about all the colors that are available for girls clothing if it's Mm. um like a high street shop not talking about boutiques Mm. for kids but I step into like I'm not going to name names, but it's like the boys section. It's like black and blue and gray. And my son, my youngest is all about rainbows and colors. And it's funny because Mm -hmm. when he was born, um, when I found out he was a boy, I was like, so more blue, just, just more blue. I was like, I'm sick of seeing blue. So I actually started buying him black clothing. (laughs) 
believe it or not. And he's gone that like opposite way, like <laughs> colour here, colour there. So I do step into the um, girl section. But I just find it so annoying that high street shops are still doing the whole blue or even... Boys and girls section. Yeah, boys and girls. Yeah. It's like, come on, give it the times. Over the past sort of year I have been doing more big campaigns that are unisex collections so that's been interesting but they're normally only up to about 10 um and I think I've I've been really like we've been really good with our two so I've got boy and a girl of it's like it's up to them but my son as he gets older while he loves bright colors sometimes I'd say if if I could compare to any one style, it would be like Pharrell or Andre Three Thousand. Like it's color, but also he like he's starting to like darker things. I think is that an age thing? He's almost ten. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. Um, but it is important that they just have that choice. Um, so yeah, it is good to see that these and these are high street brands doing specifically unisex collection so we'll see mm, i do love that i think it is changing fingers crossed because it's getting it was so boring at a point like yeah even 10 years ago the the range for boys was just oh. it's like gray yeah. Who, yeah. why would you want to wear gray if like you yeah. said you the bouncy get all the crayolas out and everything out and then you're just gonna put them in gray clothes i think with the older kids when I see the bright colours, regardless, when I see bright primary colours, I do think of toddlers. Hmm. So I think for that age, boy or girl, I think for that age, because there's so much about like preteen, I'm a big kid, like everything, yeah. I'm grown, that they just get, they're trying to show how serious yes. they are before they do whatever it is they do as teenagers. I'm hoping mine are like skater kids. They can't skateboard. But it's an aesthetic. So this is what I'm learning with my kids. So my 10-year-old is telling me that her aesthetic is indie. Now, when she told oh. me this, I was like, oh, indie. So my version of indie is kind of almost goth, but not quite just like, you know, that Nirvana look, kind of 90s. grungy, but a bit cleaner. Yeah. And her indie aesthetic in 2022 is not that at all. It is more skater, like bright colours, yeah. flared jeans, yeah. like hippie almost. Oh. That kind of vibe. Love right. it. That's how I dress. <laughs> <laughs> I've got big flared jeans. Like they're really long and they drag on the floor. Yeah, this is like, like she needs to be borrowing some of your stuff. <laughs> I guess so. But yeah, this is, this is indie aesthetic. So... And she is 10 and I know that well, I see her mood boards that she's got and they feature older kids than her. So I'm hoping that kids now are embracing colour a little bit more, some of them anyway, that yeah. ascribe to that aesthetic. I think it's so weird hearing a 10-year-old talk about aesthetic. Like, what? what's your aesthetic, mummy? Yeah, that is. <laughs> Mine's indie. <laughs> I do love it though because as well in terms of dressing as they do get old it becomes part of their part of their personality it shows mm, them yeah. like this is how I present myself this is my aesthetic so it's very interesting to see yeah. like mm. my middle one he was all about color all about sequence all of that bow, bow, ping 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 now he's like black or gray <laughs> or what like golf no 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 the 
sweater oh, okay. with the matching joggers. So trends. like the Kardashians. <laughs> no, I know that aesthetic. It's kind of minimal sports. Minimal sports. So I was thinking Kanye West yeah. without that ugly yeezy. Yes. With the big space boots, yeah. <laughs> Minus the yeah. big space boots. And that is a whole aesthetic. And in, interestingly enough, the unisex ranges that I've been doing have been like yes. that. So head to toes, sweats, yes. lilacs, greys, blacks, yeah. browns, cream. Who? What? Who's wearing a cream? Which listen, kid is wearing a cream? Listen, <laughs> it's not happening. You're listening to the Women Who Rebrand podcast. Honest and humorous conversations all about the natural and individual transitional phases people experience to grow, start over or rebrand to become their most authentic selves. Hosted by former mummy bloggers Sarita Fontaine and Chioma Olalei and guest featuring professional rebranders. You can find us on Instagram at Women Rebranded. So we've talked a lot about fashion styling and we could not talk to you and talk about fashion styling without mentioning Mums at Slay because this is what a lot of your following will know you from. So Mums at Slay, for those of you who don't know, how don't you know, but (laughs) Mums at Slay was where um, it was a page that Vadney created and then it became, you had a blog as well and you just, you did loads of stuff around Mums at Slay. It was all about mums and style and what works for you as a mum and it it wasn't about telling mums how to dress but all about celebrating um, and showcasing the style of the mums who followed you and it was a a fantastic platform you had thousands and thousands of followers and it was a hashtag as well people would post their outfit of the day and then hashtag mums that slay dope dope friday as well was something that you you created and it was it was massive and then all of a sudden, it was gone. I was just like, <laughs> latest. <laughs> so what happened? Can you tell us why did you make that decision to close it down? It was a few reasons, really. I've been doing it for five years, and it's a little bit like radiators and drains. I'd given out a lot for, for good reasons. I was so passionate about not just style, but just knowing who you are, being you. Um, in your career just knowing that you can just do things and as a mum just valuing yourself a bit more than mums do Um, and I really loved the community that I had showcasing other mums doing the date Fridays doing the events the fundraising with the jump Christmas jumpers and stuff Um, and then I think a few things changed for me obviously the pandemic came about I just so I, I kind of called out a big parenting, like a huge parenting blogger during after, just after George Floyd was murdered. And suddenly I gained maybe 7,000 or whatever followers overnight because I called him out very publicly um, and I would do it again. <laughs> but um, a lot of these followers <laughs> that were following me were there for the drama. And and that was the thing with me. Like, I just felt like so much was performance. So much of it wasn't authentic. And maybe I'm too naive. But I, you know, there were people who were then sharing and getting involved. And it wasn't because they cared. It wasn't because they think Black Lives Matters. Mm. It was because it was an opportunity to take this guy down. Why? So that they can take their place. Mm. And, you know, with, I was taking time off because I had lots of work to do and the more time I'd take off I'd come back in and share an outfit 
And it was so much hard work to just, I couldn't be bothered. I was like, why am I taking a picture? And because I wasn't, you know, my page wasn't about consuming. I I do like shopping, but I'm also a big advocate for shopping in your Mm -hmm, wardrobe. mm -hmm. That wasn't, it wasn't fueling the consumerism flex that runs Instagram now. So that was another factor. And I, you know, people were jumping on Dope Friday and getting involved in things like that. Again, with the whole radio to drain thing, not because they wanted to get involved. There were people that would join in that didn't even follow me or interact during the week. It was to raise their profile, to join in a, you join in a hashtag. Why? To raise your profile. Why? For Instagram fame. Do you know what I mean? And it's all just about chasing something that for me is not real. I didn't want to be part of this mum influencer world that really is about fueling consumerism people are getting in debt people are feeling crap about themselves because they're not you know whatever and I found that there were times that because I wasn't posting what people needed like if I posted something about love yourself or an Instagram post people loved it they're like thank you I needed Mm. this and I'm like take 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 um and then but there were other times when it was just like whatever yeah, look at me. And it wasn't getting much, uh, you know, much likes. I found that I was starting to catch feels and feel a bit like, oh, I haven't got many people liking this place. Mm. And so that's when I was like, wow, what would happen if I just part that, walked away? And I found that in the first week, I was out wearing amazing outfits because I always look amazing. <laughs> of course. Okay? And I was like, oh, when I get home, shall I go to my wall and take a picture? No. I don't need to take a picture of my amazing outfit. I look amazing. It was really weird to like get that out of me. But now not doing that every day, I can't imagine. Like, where do I have this time (laughs) to take pictures of myself, to Mm -hmm. post, to interact for what? So that's why I part that. I'm really grateful for it. And there are times when I kind of think, oh, what would happen because it was a real, like my my styling Instagram account and my art Instagram account are great because they're really using Instagram for what it's good at. It's good at business. Um, and I wanted to it to be, because I was on Instagram from when it first started back in like t- over 10 years ago. I ju- you know, when you just share a really over-filtered picture of like your food or just whatever. <laughs> and so I kind of wanted, it's nice to have a space where you can just, just share like whatever but it's not going to be that way so for me for myself it was a goodbye to that Ah. knowing that I've let that the page is still there if anyone needs anything they can get what they need but I do feel yeah that's amazing yeah because as well we we put in the bio that we are former mummy um bloggers we're in that uh, in that field and definitely yeah I noticed like same time around the Black Lives Matters, an influx of people following. Mm-hmm. And when you mentioned you called out someone, I called out a few people, yeah. And yeah, I think like you said, a lot of people came for the drama. And when they realized oh. that number one, I've already put my hands up many times. I am not an activist. I will say how I feel, but I cannot school you. That's not my job. There are so many people out there that can. But it's like when they realized, hold on she's not going to be calling everyone out every five minutes and (laughs) hold on 
I can't go to her to complain about this person because I don't really like them. Yeah. But I'm going to use this opportunity to be like, oh, yeah, I don't like them. And, yeah, they're totally wrong. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, where were you before? Where Where were you when I was just putting a nice picture up of whatever mm-hmm. I yeah. wanted to? Mm-hmm. There was no engagement there. So, yeah, yeah, it is unfortunate. But I do think, I do think things are changing. I think... In terms of that kind of world, there's no longevity in it. You can't keep on doing Well, look that at those poor thing. Russian influencers. Ooh, I mean, uh, they're saying this week, they're like, this is my livelihood. Ooh, it's all gone. Wow. And that's the thing. People need to understand, like, if all of your money is relying on Instagram, yeah. on Meta, yeah. You need to rethink your life, Definitely. basically, Definitely. or you need to have some amazing savings and investments going on because at any moment it could go. Yeah. It's true. Hmm. It's so true. Thinking back to all those people who had albums on MySpace, like, <laughs> stop it, orcs. <laughs> See. <laughs> But it's funny. It's true. Again, now we're getting into TikTok land, aren't we? And TikTok's taking over. But TikTok is exhausting. uh, It's very exhausting. (laughs) But also, it's so addicted. I do love a TikTok. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. I do find it funny that. So there's a lot of people that I do follow, but it's like they're highly praised when they see a TikTok, they rip off the TikTok and they put it on Instagram because not everyone on Instagram or our age group is on TikTok. So they're just like, that's yeah. so clever. Did they make that up? And there's me sitting so back like, oh, wow. Do you see what I mean? Are you going to attack the person <laughs> that I you mean. just ripped off or not? But I'm going to keep quiet because <laughs> it's not my business because I'm not going to do this calling out business anymore. But mm. carry on in it. Mm. But yeah, so many people were just not using their own ideas and that's where you fail because when, yeah. once that person moves on to the next thing, you can't copy them. You can't keep on doing that but yeah I like a transition there's growth there's growth and I've loved your growth so although I was sad to see um mums at sleigh mums at sleigh you know slowly dissolve I mean if you could have seen the dms that I got I didn't realize the impact that it had on people's lives like I was it was yeah it was very humbling and and I'm grateful that I was able to do that but I, I, it felt selfish, but hey, it's all about me now. <laughs> well, you do have to think about yourself and things happen for a reason and a season. So yeah. at that time it was right. But then there's, like I said, growth, transition, rebranding. Yeah. Um, it was the natural next step. And obviously with your art, it's not just a case of, painting a pretty picture like the fashion there's so much that goes into it the influence the the textures and I see the fashion within your art so um again mom's that sleigh there's still a representation in your art there I love it I love it thanks yeah there's certain things that are important to me so even with the um my art I I when I present women and women's bodies I want it to be real and present them as almost beautiful like if you go around a gallery it's all like thin young women and I want to show some flesh Mm. some sweats (laughs) so your art then you've now 
Uh, so I keep wanting to say you've made the transition to an artist, but you haven't because you're still doing the styling and you're combining that with the art. So your art is, and it's beautiful. It's absolutely incredible. Like can't believe that it's been such a short time that you've been actually devoting yourself to this and you've made such a massive impact. So what what's what's the driver behind your art? And can you tell the audience about what your art is and what it means to you? So backstory, I love a story. But basically, three days before I we went into our first lockdown, I spent the afternoon with my friend in the hospice in her final hours. And as I sat next to her, and it was really, it was around this time of year, it was a beautiful sunny day, like the, one of those spring days when you're like, oh, so exciting. And opposite, there was a tennis court and people were playing tennis and she was dying. And I just thought, like it sat with me for, you know, a long time afterwards that life is short and one day that will be me. And I want to know that I've done everything that is in me and I want to just go for things that make me happy. I don't want to sit on anything and have any regrets Mm -hmm. and how beautiful life is, you know? So I just, it started with my kids, just giving them something to do with blooming homeschool, (laughs) which sucks. (laughs) But it didn't suck when it was mummy's homeschool. And we did a lot of arts and crafts and learning how to ride bikes and all those kind of things. And I realized again that it was something in me that had been in me since I was a kid. I can't explain how happy my mum was when she saw that I was doing art again. And I think that's it, isn't it? As mums, you look at your kids and you just know them. So she could just see me doing what I should be doing. And um, yeah, it was just important to me to put aside everything that had been told to me at uni and finally say in the fullest form, I'm a creative. I create beautiful things and I have something to say. And I, initially I was creating art because I wanted stuff in my house. And then, you know, people started messaging me and going, oh, I'd love to, you know, do but sell. So I thought, okay, I'll do a few prints. And on the first day I built my website, the first day it just kept pinging. I had so many sales and I sat at my desk just crying. I couldn't believe it. So overwhelmed. And it's just gone from then. And I think, the going you know it started in a certain way and it was very much like I'm not cerebral in that sense it's not that deep I just want to create graceful beautiful Mm. moments and create everyday people with dignity but with my granny um spending time with my granny last year who had dementia and she passed away being back in that environment I realized I was saying goodbye to the Windrush generation and and those memories that I had and I wanted to make sure that my kids had some connection to that so it was really especially black British Caribbeans get bad rap and I wanted to inject some pride in there and just like shows the foundations in a really beautiful way yeah we're working class we had ugly wallpaper doilies ugly like everything we did our best we you know we presented what we could moving from a single room to a house or a flat and we presented it in this way that was pride for us and I want to do that with my art so I feel like especially I don't know the world just feels so racist Mm -hmm. (laughs) and if I can do anything to to bring some pride 
for black people and pride for middle-aged women as well showing us as you know these goddesses then I've done my bit so that's the driver it makes me really happy and also like their artists are really old and they're still practicing so I could just keep creating forever and that's amazing and I've got something my kids are so proud of me oh, they they say mommy does styling and they say she's an artist She's <laughs> a famous oh artist. Gosh. I'm like, not really. Wow. But what, what kid wouldn't <laughs> want to describe their parent as a as a famous artist? Like that is incredible. That is, and and the fact that they understand what that means at their young age as well. It's yeah. Oh, it's um, my daughter watches me while I paint, and she can see all the colours that I can see in the skin tones. And then she started doing her I little thing. That's in that's in our blood, and we have that freedom because we live in this age where if she wants to do it, she can. Do you think that you can truly give your all to both passions? Yeah, I do. I think they represent both sides of me. So the the fashion is very driven and focused and teamworking and it's vibrant and fun and all of that. And I love it. And I get to work in all these amazing locations and different people. And then I have the art, which just pulls all the levels down. I'm by myself. I've got my music and it's very introverted. I, I like both. I'm very sociable. I'm very, I grew up as an only child. I'm very happy with my own space um, and just clearing out all the noise. And so I feel very balanced, to be honest. So far, it hasn't clashed too much the art and the styling I don't know what will come but for now it's working and when things slow down in my styling work some freelance I use that other time to create art do my commissions and stuff and I think of if any two industries or fields of work we're going to combine I think fashion and art are they're so interwoven anyway so surely there must be a way to make it work for you yeah, um, but the the thing that um I'm really interested in, and I'm sure other people who are hearing your story and are feeling oh, oh the, the the draw of the art calling them back, is you started with the art a bit later in life. Obviously, styling was where you've grounded yourself and and you've got your experience. Yeah, you've come back to the art in your early forties, late thirties, early forties, and you've I mean in less than a year you've done so much and and you're all over the place you're exhibiting at the moment in 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 Oxford and and you can talk about that um a bit later on but you're you're everywhere you've blown up massively but was there a part of you that thought I'm too old for this like what am I doing and if there was okay you're shaking your head already how did you (laughs) overcome that how did (laughs) how did you get past that (laughs) as I said I think spending that time with my friend I literally and that was that I was 39 no I was 38 gosh this pandemic has robbed my years man but um (laughs) I I think especially approaching 40 I literally do not care who's going to tell me what I can do of course I'm not going to become a rhythmic gymnast which is what I would have loved to have been (laughs) Physically, I don't think that's going to happen. But no one can tell me I can't do something because I'm too old. Are you mad? Like, no, this is my life. I have to do it. Have to do it. I owe nothing to anybody. 
So the, the age has never been a factor at all. If anything, it's been a driver that because of my age, I'm grown. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> I feel how I feel. So the age is not an issue. What in the world? Um, so you've had me. In this section, we discuss something that we um, may have seen in the news, on TV, mostly on the internet, because that's usually where I am. Um, but this week, I, did, I just I, this story, I was just like, it was really unnecessary. So um, Dame Elizabeth Jane Campion. Campion is a New Zealand director, screenwriter and producer. Um, and she became the first woman to be nominated twice for the Academy Award for Best Director. However, while accepting a BAFTA Award for Best Director, she included a comment within her speech. Um, she said, Venus and Serena, you are such marvels. However, you do not have to play against the guys like I do. So people were quick to question her comparison of working within a male-led industry to the tennis champions. And um, both Venus and Serena compete in a male-dominated sport, not against men, no, but have, you know, been they've had their struggles and prejudices. Um, And as we know, um, racial inequalities um, while simply partaking in the sport, it's, not necessarily a predominantly black sport either. So um, for me, I didn't like the comment. I was like, it's very unnecessary, but hey-ho. Dumb. Yeah. She probably thought it was really clever. Mm. And it's interesting when you see the video of their reactions because Serena was like laughing like, I don't know what. I don't, I can't work out if she generally thought it was hilarious or it was awkward. And then Venus was just like, Oh, that's going to be a uh, gift. That is definitely going to be a gift that will be used time and time again. A, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen the screen grabs. People have screen grabbed and used that as like a, yeah, like a meme. The gifts are coming. The gifts are definitely yeah. coming. Yeah, they're coming. <laughs> but so unnecessary. Um, But yeah, you did touch upon it when you were talking about going to Central St. Martins and, you know, facing um prejudices and, you know, just keeping you in a place where they believe that you should be not allowing you to shine. So I was just wondering if you've um, faced any um, issues whilst working in the fashion industry or even now within um, the arts. Yeah. So not so much with art. Uh, I have really connected to a very embracing community so far and a lot of black artists out there who are incredible so the the exhibition I'm in now is called Some of Us Are Brave and it is black female artists only however I know that there is a lot of prejudice because of the reason that it's existed to begin Mm. with because you know black artists do less well and black female artists even worse which is why this exhibition is necessary so so far it's been okay but yeah we'll see what comes about one day um with the fashion industry yeah I lots of like microaggressions I think and it's often like even I wouldn't call it a prejudice but like you go into shoots and the only person of color on a shoot Mm. team 
quite often and sometimes like when the parents come in they're a bit shocked they might think that I work at the no, studio or something no. they don't realize you can see that shock of like oh you're the stylist uh and it's not I've never experienced it on a negative way it's always just like shock or confusion um a few times where I've been asked to do the hair of the black model mm. and I can just about do my daughter's hair I'm not doing I'm not putting my I'm not a hair and do you know how hard it is to be a hairstylist mm-hmm. to be like put some respect in what they mm. do and don't just assume that because I'm black why are my hair in dreadlocks <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time for that uh so that's ridiculous uh and just things like oh they'll be cooler or they're more sporty or urban um so just a few and a few times where I've sort of walked into a room and whoever's courting the conversation has gone quiet when I've gone in mm. um so just yeah things like that and that you do have to be really blinkered and very active in your self-care in those moments mm. I I can step out and just do some breathing um to just yeah calm down because uh, I'd say before George Floyd was murdered, you did feel quite powerless. Like you didn't have a voice. If you spoke up, you would lose your place. Um, but now I do feel like I can stand up and advocate a few more times. Where I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. We cannot put that banana print or monkey print thing on the black baby. Um, and I do just speak up now, but that has taken years of like, you know leveraging my position within you know my experience but it's frustrating for sure we need more people that 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 there is some improvement in the models uh but we definitely need more people behind the scenes and higher up I guess making those decisions and calling the shots yeah they don't even realize Hmm. they don't realize what they're doing Hmm. it's so and and I guess I don't know if this is a conversation for now, but just in terms of the models that I see used, this is my particular bugbear. And I'm just going to bring it up because maybe you can influence someone in the industry. So first of all, there is obviously a, a bias towards fairer skinned black girls in particular. So what I see is there's often some dark skinned boys, but girls typically fairer skinned. Plus, they have the wonderful big hair. So it's often that you see these either fair-skinned girls with big afros or or coils, curls, whatever, or chocolatey-toned girls, but they often have that big hair as well. So my thing is, what if you're a darker-skinned or maybe even a fair-skinned girl, but you don't have the big hair to go with it? You've just got a little tightly coiled 4C afro that doesn't even stretch out. As soon as you pull it out, it just shrinks straight back. Like, where is that representation? And why Why do you think the fashion industry is so averse to showcasing those types of children when we know that they buy clothes they wear clothes like they've yeah. got parents who look like them as well there's two things there's three things I'd say firstly we are leaving the age where black kids or black boys would be would only get the sports campaigns mm. because they're seen as sporty and urban uh, and we are still in a stage where it is, you know, you could have a shoot and the representation of all other ethnicity from white is mixed race. Uh, and that is very lazy. 
I will say that I'm increasingly working with a whole load of dark-skinned black girls, all sorts of hair, and it is beautiful to see. And they're absolutely, oh my gosh, they're so gorgeous. <laughs> I can't explain. I mean, I just love children because they're amazing. I think children are the best of all humans. But um, yeah, I've seen a lot more South Asian kids as well, kids with disabilities, uh, you know, autism, all sorts of, you know, uh, East Asian, like all over. So that is really great to see. Um I think the reason why is white supremacy, basically. People are not aware. I don't think they're consciously saying, I must not use black kid. But in their minds, what is beautiful, it comes down to colorism. It comes down to that lighter skin. I did hear of a shoot, nothing to do with me because I would not have stood for it, where the only when they finally decided to use a mixed race child, that child was forced to straighten <gasps> their hair. No! Yeah, because they couldn't have their natural hair. It had to be straightened. So we've still got some way to go. And I think as more, I don't know, it depends with the white mothers of these mixed race children now have an opportunity to speak Mm -hmm. out as well. Um, So let's see, there's going to be more voices getting behind this. Either they're more behind it or wanting to like preserve that niche. But um, I, I do think that people are unaware of, colorism and how it works and I I find it more and more refreshing that I can't think of many shoots that I've done recently where I've not worked with a dark-skinned black child and certainly a a girl Mm. okay that's good to hear and these girls are butts and busy and getting their savings going I love it yeah because yeah the whole um dual heritage curly-haired kids come on it's like so old scores like there's so many other models that exist and other types of children let's see it and as you said it well it does remind me of a particular brand but I'm not going to say it because I don't need to say it but yeah I'm glad things are changing most definitely but as well as more people start calling the shots and casting then that will change that's why we need to be higher up in the jobs and have the um power to make those decisions yeah for sure which I'm hoping will come as more parents of our age have kids and realize that it's an acceptable career for your child to get into yeah the arts is becoming more of a a black thing I know if I was when I was younger if I'd have dared said to my parents no I'm not going to study law no I'm not I'm going to go to art school if I told my Nigerian parents that, do you know where I would be right now? <laughs> Back in Nigeria. Back in Nigeria. That's where I'd be. So, yeah, it, it is becoming more acceptable. People are seeing role models like you, Fadni, and um, and realising that, yeah, black people can succeed. They can do well in these industries. I think that's it. We're established as a community here. And even, like, for me having people say, can I come and, can my kids come and do work experience mm. with you? Yeah, I'm going to open that mm. door. Come mm. in. My husband works in tech. Come mm. in and get your work experience. Mm. Yes, I'm here for nepotism. Mm. And we will just infiltrate. <laughs> it's infiltrating every industry, mm. just like everyone else yeah. has been yeah. forever. Yeah. Why can't it's we? True. I'm That door is wide open. I'm like, don't lock it. <laughs> Keep letting people mm. in. <laughs> no gatekeeping here. I love it. I love it. Oh, no. I can't stand that. Words of advice 
So you you have rebranded, um, but I'm not going to say rebranded. I'm just going to say transitioned, grown. Um, and as you said, it doesn't matter what age you are. You just zero facts. I'm going to say facts, facts here. Um, so if you had words for advice, someone of possibly our age group hitting their 40s, whatever, and they wanted to, you know, rebrand or transition into a different career because they had a previous passion that they kind of gave up on um would you have any words of advice for those people the first thing would be to kind of go cold turkey like just say right I'm doing this and tell as many people as you can because you've got people that are then not you're not only going to be accountable to but they're going to support you and cheerlead you along the way and then taking time out so for me that meant leaving mums at sleigh shutting things taking things out removing things from my life and learning to say no to things to create space off social media off places where you're going to start catching feels and comparing yourself to other people so that you can just find your real world inspiration courses whatever it is you need financial advice style like whatever it is that you need to do you need to do that in the real world you're not going to get it all taking notes off Instagram and like YouTube podcasts and then no offense but you know (laughs) 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 and then also I think like I'm I'm listening to that Atomic Habits book at the moment which is so good and just like literally creating these habits that mean that you can like make that a part of your life like very actively making time for things little steps that sometimes the goal and the the vision seems really big but it's about the journey on the way and the steps that you take every day so for me like people are like how do you do it but I carve time out each day to do something and then I end the day feeling really good about you know what I've achieved so it could just be sending out a newsletter from my website or putting you know the wallpaper on the canvas like little things uh with my styling it might be watching a really cool old movie I've never seen before um and then the other big thing for rebranding I think is just celebrating and taking in the good and the joy and yeah so when the good things happen focusing on that and really enjoying it and like giving yourself the flowers because it's hard and it's hard when people are like, oh, you can't do that. And who do you think you are? And you're always changing. You know, like, I had people going, oh, you always do too much. You're always changing and da 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 And it's like, no, shh. <laughs> this is good. This is happening. This is how it's making me feel. Um, and just sitting with that, I think, that would be my advice. And that's some good advice right there. Fadney, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your experience, expertise, words of wisdom with us. We did mention your exhibition earlier on. Can you tell our listeners about where they can find you if they want to go and see some of your art in real life? Yes. So my website is evadney.art, Y-V-A-D-N-E-Y. And yeah, and I'm on Instagram as Evadne Davis Art. I'm currently in a group exhibition called Some of Us Are Brave, um, which is in collaboration with Casild Art and um, Fusion Art. So you can go on to Some of Us Are Brave 
um, and find the exhibition. It's on in the Windows Gallery in Oxford until the end of March. I think it's the 27th. Um, and all of the art exhibited, and I think there's prints as well, are available for sale. Um, I believe my uh, one of my paintings has sold, so that's exciting. Um, but I will miss her. I liked her a lot. She was nice in my house. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, and I have, like, new prints that are always coming out, so you'll see them on vadney.art. Um, and if you sign up, then you can see my newsletter and you get a bit more behind the scenes of my practice as well. Amazing, amazing. I can't wait to see what is next because this journey has been incredible. Fadney did a series of um, cards and I don't know whether you're still doing them or not, but because I love this image so much, I just had to um, get the cards and I'm displaying them on my card wall, on my Zoom wall. Pride of place on my shoulder. So, yeah. So pretty. Actually, can I say something? It was your very first episode of this show that inspired me to leave Mums at Slay. So if anyone comes for me, they need to come for you too. But it really did just make me, give me the plunge on something that I'd been sitting on that had made me feel really uncomfortable and question why I was doing it. Why was I doing this if it wasn't bringing me that joy? And after listening to your first episode, I was like, right, that's it. Bye. We're here for it. We'll take that. You're Influencers welcome. Influencers inside and outside of Instagram. I love Look it. At that. Look at us. Oh, thanks, girl. Thanks. Uh, thank you so much, Evadne. Thank you for joining us on Women Who Brand, and we will catch you. Um, yeah, in the real world. Thank you for having me. Take care, and thank you for joining us. Take care, listeners. Bye. Bye. Women Who Rebrand was brought to you by Sarita Fontaine and Chioma Olalea. If you like what you've heard and you want to hear us again, don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you usually catch your podcasts. We're available on all streaming platforms, including Google Podcasts, Spotify and Breaker.